0: Yeah! Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hello and welcome back. I am Chris, the pastor at Compass. As always, I'm really glad to have you with me today because we are continuing to work our way through the Gospel of Matthew as a church. And if there's one thing that we've seen over and over again, it's that Jesus was a really good teacher. I mean, if all that we had to understand how followers of Jesus were supposed to live were the Sermon on the Mount, I think that would be enough. Because Jesus had a way of communicating complex things in ways that people could understand. But that doesn't mean that everything Jesus taught was simple or easy to grasp, because some of what Jesus taught could be confusing. I mean, both then and now. Sometimes even his own disciples didn't understand what he was saying. And I think that had to be really frustrating for Jesus. In this regard, I'm exactly like Jesus because I absolutely hate being misunderstood. But the difference between Jesus and me is that I'm not really a good teacher. Now I say that knowing my job is to teach people about God, and and I think I'm okay in front of a crowd, but when it comes to one-on-one teaching, I'm just terrible. For example, I used to give guitar lessons, and I was awful at it. And I think I was bad at it because I'm almost entirely self-taught on the guitar. I learned to play by just doing it on my own. And because of that, I think about the guitar differently than someone who was taught the correct way. I think about playing guitar in visual metaphors. So when I was teaching... I would tell kids that the guitar is like a symphony orchestra. The lower two strings are the upright bass and tubas. The middle two strings are like the cellos and French horns. And the high two strings, they're the violins and flutes in the orchestra. Now, this completely works in my mind. But my students were like, what's a French horn? I would tell them that the guitar is a rhythm instrument, like the drums. So when they play, they should imagine that rhythmically they are reproducing the drum beat. Again, this makes perfect sense to me, but my students didn't play drums. They couldn't understand what I was saying, and that was really frustrating for me. Because I'm like, why don't you just get it? Why can't you just get in my mind and understand music the way that I do? So I'd get frustrated when they didn't understand what I was saying. And so in that narrow way, very narrow probably. I'm just like Jesus. But there are also things where I'm I think I'm more like the disciples and I just don't get it. I should understand, but for some reason, I I can't. I mean, I've been married for 25 years, and in that time, there have been many times that Terry has told me about her problems. Problems at work, problems with the kids, just things that are frustrating for her. And, And you know what I would do when she vented her problems to me? I would tell her how to fix them. In my mind, she was sharing her problems because she wanted help fixing them. And I was wrong. What she really wanted for me to do was just shut up and listen. She didn't want a solution, she just wanted someone to share her frustrations with. So now when she tells me about her problems, you know what I do? I still try to fix them. I don't know why I can't get this right. But for whatever reason, it's really hard for me to understand and remember what she needs, even though she's told me multiple times. Now I say all this because we're coming to a passage where Jesus is misunderstood by his disciples who just couldn't get it, even though maybe they should have. And it starts right here in Matthew 16, verse 5. Later, after they'd crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they'd forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus says, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What in the world does that mean? Don't eat their bread? Stay away from their donuts? I mean, even for us, this can seem like a a pretty cryptic and hard-to-understand statement. Even the disciples misunderstood it. Look at this in verse 7. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. So here, because Jesus used yeast in his analogy, the disciples thought that Jesus was calling them out for not bringing any bread on their boat trip. And because of that, the disciples started arguing about whose fault it was. We continue in verse eight. Jesus knew what they were saying, and so he said, "'You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the basket of leftovers you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves, and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So here are the disciples. They're stressing out because they don't have any food. And Jesus is frustrated because they misunderstood him. And he tells them that they have so little faith which, interestingly, in the original Greek, is almost, it's almost a nickname that he uses a lot with his disciples. It's almost like a nickname, Little Faith. He says, hey, Little Faith, why are you worried about bread? Did you just forget that I fed more than 9,000 people over the last several weeks? Did you forget that I could scoop up water into this boat and turn it into a gourmet meal? You've been doing ministry with me, and you've seen all of these miracles. Why can't you understand that I could feed you? And why don't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? In spite of all the things that the disciples had seen Jesus do, just like me misunderstanding what Terry wants when she tells me her problems, the disciples misunderstood what Jesus was trying to tell them. And just like me giving guitar lessons, Jesus is frustrated by their lack of faith and their inability to understand what he's saying. We continue in verse 12. Then at last, they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast in bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So finally, after Jesus explains it, the disciples understand that yeast is a metaphor for the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus is saying that if you embrace the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it will spread through your life like yeast through dough. It will infiltrate every part of it. But this is still kind of confusing, because what is the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees that Jesus is talking about? And and what does this mean for us? Well, the Pharisees and Sadducees were the religious and political rulers of their day. And we've talked a lot about the Pharisees. They were religious fundamentalists. They believed that if they strictly adhered to the law of Moses, and if they kept themselves ceremonially pure, and separate from the impurity of the rest of the pagan world, that they would be acceptable to God. The Pharisees believed in an ultimate future resurrection where all of the people who had followed the law would be raised to life together. They believed that strictly following the law is what would get them there. They were living for the rewards of a future resurrection. But their religious observance was actually hurting people. The strict way in which they followed the law, it excluded the poor, the sick, and the marginalized. Jesus even said the way they were living out the law actually nullified the law, that their religious practices led them to have a lack of mercy and justice, and it made them hypocrites. But even so, the Pharisees believed that the way to bring the kingdom of God into the world was to impose fundamentalist religion on people. The Sadducees, on the other hand, were the wealthy, aristocratic elites. They were the one percenters. They administrated the temple, uh, as well as administrating all of the domestic and international affairs of the Jewish state. The Sadducees they collected taxes for the temple, they led the army, uh, they regulated relations with the Roman Empire. In short, the Sadducees were political operators, and they benefited from Roman rule by gaining wealth and power. And one reason for this is that, unlike the Pharisees, they didn't believe in a coming resurrection. They thought they had one life to live, and when you die, that's it. And if there's no afterlife, because of that, the Sadducees, they lived it up on earth. Because having a great quality of life matters more than strict religious observance, because you got to enjoy the life you have while you have it. And since there are no rewards after death, let's focus on the rewards that we can receive now, like wealth and influence. The Sadducees believed that the way to bring the kingdom of God to the world was through political power. And Jesus confronted these corrupt teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees taught that religious observance would save the world, while the Sadducees taught that wealth and political power would do it. And these were the two strains of thought that Jesus told his followers to beware of. If they got caught up in these, these thoughts would corrupt his people like yeast spreading through dough. And while there isn't really a one-to-one comparison of the Pharisees and Sadducees to our culture today, I think we can find the modern connections. Because the corrupting influence of fundamentalist religion and political power, they are still major issues that affect the church today. But, and this is the main point today, Jesus cannot be found in religious observance or political power. That's just not how he works in our world or in our lives. Because the way of Jesus is so different than those ways. What he wants to build in and through us looks so different than what those things build. I mean, look at what Jesus says in uh, John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus's kingdom is not of this world, it looks different. It can't be implemented in the same way as the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus even highlights the fact that his kingdom won't come by fighting or by force. His kingdom comes when we fully love God and our neighbor as ourselves, when we love our enemies and do for others what we would want done for us. Politics can't make that happen and neither can strictly following religious rules. So what do we do in a world where religion and politics so easily seem to infect the church? Hebrews twelve two says this, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We live like he lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught. See, politics tells us to shame, defeat, and own our enemies. But the way of Jesus says to love our enemies, our neighbors, and God. Religion tells us to impose rules and doctrine on others, but the way of Jesus tells us to walk in humility as we seek justice and mercy for orphans, widows, immigrants, the poor and marginalized. Politics says fight and dominate. While Jesus says, Submit to one another in peace. Religion says, Shame and exclude. While Jesus says, Welcome and embrace. Religion says, Keep out those who are unclean. Politics says, Keep out those who don't agree with me. But that's not the way of Jesus. At the end of the day, it is very easy for us, just like the disciples, to misunderstand what Jesus is doing because of our own cultural, political, and religious biases. We can put ourselves into an echo chamber where our solutions to the problem of the world get repeated and affirmed over and over again, whether they're true or not. Rather than putting our faith in religion or politics, Jesus is asking us to put our faith in Him. And just like Terry needs me to shut up and stop trying to fix things, Jesus is asking us to stop trying to fix the problems of the world on our own and simply listen to what He's saying to listen to his voice and fix our eyes on him. Remember what he said in Matthew six thirty three: seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God, live in the way of Jesus first and he's got the rest. So may we not be little faith people, forgetting who Jesus is and what he's doing, misunderstanding what he's saying to us. May we not substitute his way of gentle reconciliation with our own way of force and domination, whether it's religious or political. Because those things can spread through the church like yeast through dough. And those were the things Jesus was most critical of. May we instead be people who follow the way of Jesus, people who do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. May we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.